We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. In a world where the lives of everyday people are preordained by the script that must be followed, a ragtag team of scamps dare to speak their highly unqualified opinions publicly. They dare to go off script. Unscripted the film show. You're listening to Unscripted the film show. You can't handle the truth. Man, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello and welcome to another episode of Unscripted, the film show. I'm Cecilia and Lewis is also in the studio. Hello, Lewis. Hello, how's it going? Good. Uh, Rachel is off tonight, uh, so it's just us keeping you company, which is uh, which is great. We've got things to talk about. Uh, unfortunately, there was a screener which uh, we both didn't get around to seeing called The Last Film Show, which I believe Rachel has seen and will give us a bit of a rundown next week. I also hope to have watched it by then, uh, just didn't get around to it. But apparently it's a very great film. It's yeah. uh, in cinemas today, but uh, we'll officially review it uh, next week. But it's about a uh, nine-year-old boy living with his family in a remote village in India, mm. I believe, um, and he discovers film for the first time and is, is mesmerised by it. So uh, keen to see and review that. Um, it's just a shame we don't have that to talk about tonight. But we do have other things to talk about, which is great. We do. We do have other things to talk about. One thing we don't have to talk about is Blue Beetle. You're very salty about this, aren't you? <laughs> well, look, the, the thing is, right, um, the, the DC films, like, uh, you know, They've had some good ones which, like, made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at you, Ackerman, and, and Wonder Woman, at least the first one. Um, but then uh, there was, like, The Flash, which, uh, you know, should have made a lot of money because um, it had Michael Keaton in as Batman. Mm. And I honestly think they probably would have made more money if they just called that film Batman Returns again. Um <laughs> But it didn't. It made very little money <laughs> and uh, not many people went and saw it at the box office. Um, and and now uh, Blue Beetle's coming out mm. and, and Blue Beetle is another DC Warner Brothers movie. Uh, have you seen any advertising for this at all? I know nothing about this film other than when you mentioned it uh, the other day about, you know, hey, has anyone seen a media preview screening for this or invite for this. Mm. And I thought, no, I haven't. And um, I quickly looked at it and thought, oh, okay, that's what it is. It's a DC. And I quite like DC. So I'm always interested in seeing what they throw out next. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I know nothing about this, have seen nothing. Uh, but I'm interested to know what it's all about and uh, if there's been any initial reaction to the film. But the fact that you didn't even know this film <laughs> it existed. existed. It, it's just like... Um, and the other thing is uh, there's a another film coming out. Uh, what's it called? Haunting in Venice. The, yeah. Um, 
it's the next Poirot. Pro, okay. The next film with the guy with the moustache. That guy, yeah. Uh, Perot, 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 yeah. Perot. Yes, I'm not very good at saying it, but I've, I've seen, I haven't seen the trailer, but I've seen at the cinemas the the cover for it. Mm. It looks great, but I would love to see a trailer. Because I, I had no idea that that was coming out. And then, uh, so Kat was like, oh, this is coming out. And I was like, no idea what that is. Mm. Uh, and we're going to go see it tomorrow night. But um, it's just like, what's what's going on? What, what's going, going on? I, the, you know, I can understand normal people who, who aren't like you know, obsessed with films and stuff like that, not knowing that things are coming out. Mm. But for us, that's weird. It is. Str- I wonder if it's got anything to do with the strike at all and people are trying not to market films because because of that. But I, these films are films that are already out. They've been they've been in production. Yeah. They're ready to go. So why not market them? But I, I wonder if there's a bit of a, you know, people are. It's a bit distaste distasteful to do it. Well, they can't, like, obviously they can't get the actors to be involved. Yeah. Uh, obviously not getting writers involved either. Um, but usually you still have, like, adverts on them. I mean, I guess I don't watch commercial TV, so I, I don't see any adverts on there. Mm. Um, so most of my adverts would be uh, either stuff that's, like, adverts on podcasts or, like, you know, bus ads or billboards, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And usually you see a lot of those kind of things, uh, but just I have not seen anything really recently and also you know there would be always like you know people talking about oh this film's in development and, and mm-hmm. this is happening and that's happening and and just last six months it's like nothing's happening like yeah. literally there is no news about something the only news that comes out is oh this is gonna get pushed back this is gonna get pushed back and it's starting to concern me. Uh, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying to the, the actors and the, 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 uh, the writers to, to you know, give up and just accept what they're, they're being offered. I'm just concerned that, like, there won't be a, uh, you know, an industry mm. uh, once this is all said and done because um, you need places to actually show the films and I'm concerned that film houses aren't going to have much to show um, you know, coming up. Yeah. And so this is kind of like the, the reverse of like the COVID times where it was kind of like they just couldn't get people in the cinema because, you know, people were afraid. And now this is like, you know, they can't get people in the cinema because they've got nothing to show. And if they don't have stuff to show, then how long is it sustainable for them to, you know, stay open if there's nothing new coming in that, you know, makes people want to go there? And, I mean, you can show old films and, you know, bring in people that way, but, I mean, there's not that big a demand for it. So Yeah, there's only so much you can kind of do that for before it becomes, you know, it, it, it starts out fun. You go and see something classic on the big screen or you go to a, an immersive type mm event and I think they're all good and well but eventually people want to see new content right so yeah I I guess I share or echo your concerns as well because yeah I've seen just over the last few months uh a drop off in yeah particularly the the publicity Mm. and marketing of films uh just kind of being released and and nothing said about them and you know there's still public publicists out there and you know they've got a job to do but i wonder if any marketing budgets have been slashed and uh the money's being put elsewhere i don't know it's an interesting insight and i wonder if uh yeah we'll you know maybe someone can investigate if there's any investigative journalists out there wanting to do some research (laughs) but uh yeah two big films i just Mm. yeah just but nothing said about them so but disney like uh, as far as like media screens and stuff go after COVID, when COVID hit, mm-hmm. Disney just stopped doing media screenings. Such a shame. And, and they never went back to it. Such They're, a shame. Yeah. yeah. But, 
but then like the the amount of you know most of the movies they bring out now are just not making the box office that they used to mm. now is that because there isn't that word of mouth from you know media going to these screenings and going my god this movie's fantastic you should go and see it yeah i mean it feels like Barbie and Oppenheimer. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people were talking about these films before they came out and then people saw them and were talking about these films after they, they, they got out there. And then that, you know, people were going, my God, this film sounds great. We should go and see it. And, and now, like, you know, a lot of Disney films just haven't had, you know, media going to these things to see the films, talk about the film. Um, and if they, they're not going to go see the films before the films are released and have that opportunity to actually talk and write about them, then they kind of just get lost and, uh, you know, then, you know, people move on. And so a lot of Disney films have come out and made nowhere near the box office that previous Disney films used to make because people actually knew they were out there. And it's like uh, there's some good news stories like um, Elemental. Mm -hmm. That first came out and that did terribly in the first couple of weeks of the box office but then people started talking about it and they were like oh you should go and see this elemental film and then it stayed in the the cinemas for a long time and eventually it made its money back so it just goes to show the power of actual people talking about films is is important and I think uh, you know (coughs) Disney has kind of uh, you know by not putting a bit of money into doing that has kind of like lost uh, that route to market and um, I think if other studios start doing that as well, you know, people just might go, oh, cinema's still around. People still go to the cinema, you know, because no one would be talking about it. And that's really scary. It is scary. And I've noticed that particularly with Disney films. I don't know about any Disney releases until all of a sudden people are like, oh, yeah, watch that on Disney Plus or it's streaming. And yeah. usually I hear that from, you know, you or Rachel because, you, you, you know, you're kind of up with that. And Rachel watches a lot of those films for Bryce. But, um... Prior to that, I knew about them because they would release the, you know, the media release and you'd get the information about the production and you'd go to the screening and then you would talk about it and you would promote the film. But yeah, I think it's really sad to see that because cinemas have suffered so much and I don't know if they could take another hit. Mm. I don't think they could. I think a lot of them out there have just revamped a couple of their cinemas. A lot of them lost restaurants and, you know, cafes associated or, or attached to them and, you know, yeah, I think it's just really, really sad to see that. And, Mm. yeah, so I hope that whatever whatever it is is just a lull and we get it back, like something comes back, I don't know. But uh, I need to go looking for kind of the next big releases for the rest of the year and just see what's going on with the promotion Mm. side of things. But you're right, it's sad, isn't it, to see? And I have definitely noticed it as well, so... I just, like, the thing is, I just hope that these studios, they come back to the table and they, you know, give a deal to the writers and the, the actors mm. that's actually going to be, like, something that's just, just, that they can live on the money and that they're going to be able to have, you know, actual lives and not be just, you know, living hand-to-mouth. And and it's ha- hand-to-mouth is very difficult when you you know, got six months between gigs and stuff like yeah. that. So it's just um, it's just ridiculous. But the thing is, a lot of these, in the back of the day when studios were negotiating with actors and writers, it was like a studio that produced movies that was talking to these actors and writers. And they had a vested interest in making these movies because if they didn't, they weren't making any money. Mm. Now a lot of these studios are part of big conglomerates that have a lot of different arms, like selling you know, different things. And so uh, the, the studios are a small part of a much bigger mass. And that's a scary proposition where the, the, the company might just go, well, you're not that important, so we're not going to focus on you. 
Um, and it just, yeah, I hope that's, that's not going to be the case. And I hope they yeah. go back and actually get something thrashed out because this has been going on a long time. And it's really scary because there's a lot of people who are going to be losing houses and apartments and it's just not good. So Yeah, the effects, are, you know, travel far as well. Um, in terms of, you know, what content's available. Mm. People are going to start... There's not going to be content available for people to watch soon if, if you know, we don't take care of yeah. this. Uh, but, yeah, it's such a shame. I've just uh, jumped on to look at A Haunting in Venice, which is released, and I can't believe there was no hype about that film. I know. it's, it's that, That's a third of this current run of films. And you think that they would have people talking about it but there's just not i thought it might have been a bit later in the month but no it is it's out now so uh if you do want to go well you'll be seeing it tomorrow so i do look forward to hearing what you what you think about that one Uh, if i convince if i convince cat to um uh, watch the uh, the last uh, last movie house or picture show what's it called the the other film you said it before anyway if i can watch that then we might do a a a podcast on the weekend just a a quick one to 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 slot to slot it in into the uh unscripted film show feed i love uh, it so that we can talk about that but i'll give you a a quick um overview of blue beetle just um uh, in case anyone is interested in going seeing a a dc film uh so it's uh, an alien scarab chooses jamie reese to be the symbolic host bestowing the uh, recent college graduate with a suit of armor that is capable of extraordinary powers forever changing his destiny he becomes a superhero known as blue beetle um it's kind of interesting because this version of the Blue Beetle is like a more modern version of the Blue Beetle because originally Blue Beetle was this guy Ted Cord, uh, who was a more traditional kind of superhero who was like just really rich and uh, decided to train himself to be a martial artist and uh, and uh, built this uh, Beetle-like vehicle mm-hmm. and just a, a more classic kind of uh, hero. Uh, but yeah, Jamie's a kind of like reluctant hero. So yeah, but it's uh, it's out now. I have no idea if it's good. Uh, I'll give you the the Rotten Tomato scores though, so at least that gives you something to go by. Although there was an article recently about some publicists paying critics for positive reviews. No way. Yeah. Yes, Anybody way. who's a critic who gets that they they are not that title gets stripped away from them. Yes, yes. immediately. You never take a bribe to promote <laughs> something. And, and he, naughty, naughty. Even our uh, former uh, colleague um, uh, co-host on uh, Unscripted Film Show back was uh, Funky Films, Travis Johnson. Uh, he's a, uh, a well-renowned critic in Australia and he was approached by a publicist to do a favourable review of a film. So, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty damn dodgy. So take these scores for what you, whatever <laughs> the, the, they mean. Uh, but the... Um, there's been 252 reviews uh, with a 78% uh, fresh on uh, rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a audience uh, score of uh, 2,500 plus verified ratings with a score of 92%. So they're, they're fairly good ratings. So um, you should feel confident if you go and see this film that uh, it, it's going to be good. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assured. I'm assured that uh, it's not going to be people who, who who like only art house films who go see this film. I think if you're a su- <coughs> I'm sorry, if you're a superhero fan, I think you'll you'll like it. Absolutely. We will take a break, and we'll be back after this. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Uh, so we do have some stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, which is great, a uh, little <laughs> indie, well, I'm going to say it's an indie film uh, called Scrapper, uh, which you and I both have seen uh, both on different nights. Uh, well, I saw it during the day, you saw it during the night. But, yeah, this one kind of uh, popped out of nowhere. Uh, but I 
I'm going to let you synopsize this one and then we'll, we'll talk about it. But, uh, yeah, it, it's called Scrapper. Excellent. I shall do that. Before I do that, uh, uh, we did have a, a comment from Alan Randall uh, who just uh, uh, said that uh, he hates to be that guy, but uh, Ted Cord was actually the second Blue Beetle and the original was a guy called Dan Jarrett. Oh. So I, the comic book fan, have been schooled. <laughs> That's okay, Lewis. You can't know everything. No. You know, you know more than most people, so you can't know everything. And but, besides, uh, but besides, this is DC and I'm a Marvel guy. That's so, you know, it. That's, that's it. Give me a little bit of slack there. <laughs> Don't put the boot in too hard, Alan. Seriously. <laughs> Thank you for uh, fact-checking that, though. Uh, it's always good to, to know when we're, we're incorrect. So, <laughs> thank you. Uh, okay, so uh, the, the, the film uh, Scrapper uh, is... You're right. It's in, like an English independent film, um, and it's. Uh, th- I like this film because it's kind of a, a slice of life mm. film. Uh, it, it's like horrible slice of life, <laughs> um, but just because like the 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 uh, the, the poor girl uh, in the film uh, is uh, Georgie, played by Lola Campbell, um, and she is. Uh, basically, twelve and living by herself uh, in the, uh, the the flat that she used to live with her mum, but her mum has died. They never mm. really you know, say like obviously it was some sort of sickness and the mum died, and uh, Georgie just went well. I'm just going to raise myself. You know, she, her mum was a single mum, uh, can't be bothered. You know, going <laughs> in the foster system or anything like that. Going to look after myself. Um, and she's very creative in the ways that she uh, a makes money to to survive. Um, creative is one way of saying it. Criminal is another way. Um, but yeah, it's her and her her mate, and I can't. Uh, the, oh, Ali, Ali, Ali yeah. yeah. Uh, Alan uh, Uzan plays Ali. Uh, they they're just like you know they're good mates, and they uh, steal bikes together, and they sell the bikes, and that's how she manages to like to pay her her rents and her bills. And she she must have been living alone for for quite a while. Um, but uh, she uh, yeah her her life gets uh, turned upside down uh, when um, her. Her dad rocks up. <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to find out what uh, her dad's name was because for some reason the uh, the credits on um, IMDb. Oh, yeah. Harris. Uh, he Jason's the her father played by Harris Dickinson. I would have thought he'd be like the second one listed in the IMDb. Credits, you would think so, but he's like halfway through the page. He's like, dude, he is the the the, the second lead in this film. Well, come on, seriously. Um, but maybe it was it's an order of appearance because he doesn't appear till like the film is you know established. That's true. Uh, that you know she's living by herself. This is how she looks after herself. Um, they have these little uh, interstitials as well, where like people uh, that she knows like comment on on her. Uh, the weirdest one is her teacher, Mister <laughs> Barraclough, uh, played by Carrie Crankson, and he he's got the weirdest attitude. Is like you know, your mum dies, and you should only take like the morning off to grieve. Half a day. Half, half a day. day. It's like, Oh, wow, that's wow. well hard. That is, that is well hard. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the the film, it, it's like, uh, it's an interesting, like, look at, uh, you know, the, the stages of grief because she's actually literally got a list on the wall and mm. she's, like, marking off which stage she's at. I mean, it's just amazing how just um, independent, you know, she is at 12 years old. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, 
it's very very British. Like I mean, you, you can't get more a more British film than this. And um, yeah, I, I I really uh, like enjoyed it, and it was. 90 minutes of mm-hmm. really concise storytelling. Yeah, it was really short, sharp and sweet, mm. wasn't it? Just perfect. Uh, I, I like that it was told from, you know, Georgie's point of view, kind of real childlike in that sense, but not too childish. Uh, and, yeah, I felt like it was really coupled with these, you know, real heartfelt moments and, you know, grief and but also some really funny moments too with her father. And I think, you know her father Jason is so determined to be a part of her life and you know make up for the years that he's been absent and you can see that but you know Georgie's so strong will doesn't want to borrow him and is like you know I can look after myself but I love that they both kind of learn that hang on we kind of do need each other mm. and there's some really funny moments in there like you know they're sitting at the train station uh you know mimicking what they think that this couple is potentially talking about uh, and they're getting louder and louder and then the couple will eventually turn around and go, hey, we can hear you. So I thought that was quite funny. But I think, yeah, I think it's very uh, concise. Uh, I agree with that. It's from a uh, – it's written and directed by Charlotte Regan and this is her first feature debut. She's done a lot of short um, films and bits and pieces like that. I've not seen anything of hers, but I think she's definitely someone to watch. Uh, I think you're right, you know, very concise storytelling. It didn't linger on, you know, too many moments or harp on too many, mm. you know, sad moments either. You know, there is that sad element to the film, but uh, – but and, and, and it's very authentic, very um, – nuanced as well. So I really, really enjoyed this film. Uh, It was the perfect film to go and see uh, on a Saturday when I went to watch it. Uh, and I'm sure it was the perfect film to go and see when you went to see it in the evening. I saw it on a Tuesday Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, yeah, it was great. It was, uh, yeah, I'd seen the previews of it. And I was, uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was really looking forward to it. Um, they did a special preview night where they had like uh, little fish and chips. And oh, uh, uh, Tony was handing out bags of uh, Smith's crisps. And, you know, but <coughs> really, if they wanted to be English, they should have got What's It's a Monster yeah. Munch. But, yeah, you, you, beggars can't be choosers. Um, but they did say they were going to have English beers there, and they didn't have any English beers. So I was a bit. Uh, a little bit out of sorts about that, but uh, I just got myself a bit of a, a tempranillo, so I was fine. Oh, I was all right. You're fine. So, so good. Um, one thing I did find interesting is uh, that uh, Lola Campbell, um, as Georgie, she had a hearing aid in, and oh, they never referred to the I did hearing. Notice that. They yeah. never referred to the hearing aid or anything like that. So I don't know whether the actress, the actor, is uh, you know hearing impaired and needed that, mm-hmm. or if they gave her that and just decided not to refer to work. It was just interesting that... Uh, yeah, it was an interesting choice. It made me think that maybe she is hearing impaired mm. in real life because they didn't draw any attention to it in the film because why place it there unless you... that It was part of the story. I don't know, but maybe it is clever storytelling because you don't need to make a big deal about it. Could be. I or, don't know. Or but she had a very difficult time remembering her lines and they were just... And saying, they were feeding her lines feeding her through... Lines. <laughs> <laughs> through the hearing aid. Potentially. Because there was a lot of dialogue that she was doing. For her. she for I think she was the bulk, like for the film, mm. the bulk of the dialogue was predominantly her. So you might be right, maybe they were feeding her lines. But I think the relationship between um, Harris Dickerson and, uh, you know, Lola was really wonderful. I think they worked really well together and I was reading somewhere that uh, they, when they were learning their lines, they sat in a park together mm. by themselves just to read the script and, and learn. And apparently uh, when the director came back, they hadn't really done any of their lines. Uh-huh. They were just having banter back and forth, uh, which I thought was really cute because 
it goes to show that, yeah, that relationship, um, you know, was built on, you know, actual real relationship, them two getting to know each other and, and having a fun time. So apparently, yeah, they didn't really, uh, you know, learn their lines. They just kind of went back and forth, a bit of banter. And uh, eventually they obviously yeah. did. But uh, I think that was quite good. And it's interesting seeing Harris Dickinson in this role because the last time I seen him, he was in a film called uh, Triangle of Sadness, which I don't know if you've seen this film. I did not. But no. it is incredibly obscure. It is very strange and, and his role in that film was kind of, you know, a stuck-up, arrogant um, guy. So it's just interesting to see that, that yeah, dynamic in, in this film. Because his, his um, character in this film, Jason, was uh, a guy who, like, he was in a relationship, mm-hmm. uh, they had a baby, things went south, he went to Ibiza um, and he's just been, like, you know, for the last 12 years... Um, just been kind of living it up. Yeah, like a, I think he mentioned, was he a club promoter or <laughs> selling tickets or something to do with mm. clubs? But you, you don't quite get the full story, but you know he, he copped out. He, you know, having a kid was too much. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, and then he comes back and he wants to be part of her life, which uh, I'm sure, you know, this is a story, um, you know, that you hear well too often, yeah. you know, in, in you know, some people's lives. Because he's, sure. thir- he's 30, mm. so that means he was 18. When, Very young. My maths is good yeah. when, he, when he had the kid. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's kind of weird because he hasn't really, even though he's 30, he still hasn't matured. Yeah. And then he's coming back. He's like, well, I'm going to be a dad now. Mm. And it's, it's, yeah, it's really, it's a really interesting kind of thing because yeah, just imagine like, uh, and I mean people out there would, would, maybe in the same kind of you know boat um where you know they have just a mum and no no dad although dad's still alive just not in their life yeah and then all of a sudden the dad comes back into the picture it that must be very weird yeah very strange Mm. but um or vice versa vice versa yeah. yeah i really really liked this film i think it's a little gem it's out now and i think yeah people should go and see it it's in select cinemas and i'm going to score this Four, four bike tires. Okay, I'll give it um, four serial numbers. Oh, good one! Four serial numbers. Uh, it's in cinemas now. It's called Scrapper. Go and see it. Uh, we'll go to another break. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Yes, unscripted, the film show indeed. Uh, I have been watching a lot of uh, reality TV lately. I don't know what it is. I find it Please don't do it. It was keeping up with the Kardashians. So, no, not keeping up with the (laughs) Kardashians. But I did find myself watching uh, The Real Housewives of Cheshire, which I thought... I've actually reached an all-time low. Like, what is wrong that, with Cheshire, me? Cheshire, that's in England, yeah? It is, right, it is. Yeah. But I I just love it. I think it's fun. I just love the banter between the women and just the, the bitchiness that goes on between these, these women. A lot of them are married to uh, footballers right. and, you know, Business moguls and things like that. So, how does this work? Like, are they are they living in their own houses and just get together to bitch about things? Basically, or? what they do is they're all a lot of them because they're they've grown up there or they're you know in similar circles. Mm. A lot of them have known each other outside of 
this TV show anyway. Oh, okay. Uh, and are friends, but a couple of them are new and, you know, don't know each other. But, yes, basically what they do is they, you know, all live in their fancy houses and then they just get together for dinners and events and, you know, fancy parties. <sighs> and then there's always somebody who has an issue over something and it's always absurd. Uh, but, look, it's good fun. Uh, I'm not going to diss it because I'm enjoying it. But I thought... I would check out another reality TV show, mm-hmm. one that hit uh, in August. So it has actually been out for a while, but it's called uh, At Home with the Furies. Right. Which is, of course, uh, a TV show that goes into the life of Tyson Fury, who, of course, is one of the biggest names in boxing. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, his wife, Paris, and him have six children. Now, when I started watching this... I thought that Tyson Fury and his wife were at least 40. Right. Guess how old they are? Uh, 32. Yeah, so Paris, his wife, is 33 and Tyson Fury is 34. Oh, right. They have six children. Anyway, it just blew my mind because I'm 31 and I I don't have a mansion (laughs) or six children. So I'm like, oh, I'm doing something wrong in life. But uh, this TV show really goes into the life of Tyson Fury when he announces his retirement uh, and his life, you know, raising his children. Mm. But one of the things that it does really delve into as well is his mental health and his struggle with uh, bipolar disorder, ADHD, uh, depression, anxiety uh, and alcohol uh, addiction as well. So the show itself, uh, it's, it's an interesting watch because you really see his bipolar throughout the episodes. So he'll be on a high one minute and then a real low the second mm. um, minute. So it's it's quite fascinating to see that unfold and you get to see how his wife and children navigate his mental health struggles and you notice that he himself, and this is no surprise, he, he does come out of retirement on the show because he realises that, you know, boxing is his life and that's his reason to, to keep going and get up every day and, and do these things. So, you know, I don't know if he's gone back into retirement, but I think for him it's, you know, in and out often. Uh, the boxing world is quite harsh. I think you can only take so much to your, you know, too much of a hit mm, before mm. you really start to... Because getting hit in the head, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, he's undefeated. He's, you know, champion. And there are some moments where, you know, he really has a big ego about that. But then there are moments where he's, you know, quite sad and quite, you know, you can really see that struggle and that depression. So I think this is not your typical reality show where you're going in. It's not the real housewives Mm -hmm. of Cheshire. It's not that type of reality show, but there's actual substance to this. There's something there. And I think it's really important to highlight those mental health struggles that he has because it's part of his life and yeah I have to admit I find myself quite sad watching it because I I look at this guy and I think you know he's got everything he's got career he's got a family and for him to be so you know um 
sad and, and somber on some of those days can be yeah quite quite an interesting watch so so far this uh, there, there is going to be a second series so mm-hmm. there's nine episodes of this to date on Netflix which you can watch uh, and then yeah apparently it has been renewed for a second series uh, just to see where that goes but uh, throughout the series you get to see Tyson you know get prepared for a match uh, against uh, somebody mm-hmm. uh, his family life uh, his health struggles uh, and all of those bits and pieces. And you get to see a bit of his family. He come from uh, a travel travelling family, mm-hmm. so he was a bit of a gypsy, uh, which I didn't know. And I think that life in general is so fascinating because I didn't realise that once your kids get to a certain age, you tend to pull them out of school. So often they'll do primary school and then the women will, like, you, they'll get homeschooled, but it's more of like a learn to cook and clean type thing for the women, whereas the men will be like more on the farm and that kind of stuff. So it's quite a fascinating lifestyle. Uh, and this, you still get to see a little bit of that throughout uh, throughout this as well. Their eldest daughter uh, is about to turn twelve, uh, thirteen, and she, I think, is then taken out of school to be homeschooled at home and, and do it all differently. So, Gee, that's yeah, not good. <laughs> the gypsy lifestyle is is very interesting. So you get to see a little bit of that. I mean, the kids, the kids will probably never need to work in that life. But well, that's still. <laughs> it, and they have this lavish home, mm. which uh, is insane. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching that, and uh, yeah, particularly at the moment for my um weird obsession with reality well to be honest with you i think with the uh, with the writer strike and there being uh, no one writing any uh, narrative uh, fiction i think we're probably going to see more at home with uh, blah blah blahs because it was like hogan <laughs> uh, hogan knows best where it was a hulk hogan show similar to this um there's one with sylvester stallone and uh, oh yeah uh, as well um so yeah, there's lots of uh, lots of these kind of ones. I'm not yeah. Um, I've been meaning to watch uh, the one with Sylvester mm-hmm. Stallone. I mean, these things have been around for a while. I remember they had um, oh the Gene Simmons one, Gene Simmons Family Jewels. Oh yes, yeah. Which looked at uh, that one. I don't know if you've ever seen, but it's a riot. It's it's pretty much Gene Simmons trying to figure out how to make money in any way possible. <laughs> uh, it, it's quite hilarious to watch. Uh, but yeah, I quite like seeing the lifestyles of the rich and famous i think it's fascinating uh but i i just particularly liked this one because it yeah really looked at that mental health side of things which i don't think you see a lot of uh i, I think there's one uh one i'm not sure uh, if you can see it on binge you probably probably can see it on binge uh but it's a uh it's a um a reality TV show like similar to Tyson Fury one. It's called Holy Foley, and oh. it's uh, it revolves around the the life of uh, Mick Foley, uh, former WWE yeah. uh, wrestler and champion. Uh, his uh, daughter Noelle uh, Foley is. Uh, trying to become a WWE wrestler mm-hmm. and goes through all the, the tryouts and stuff like that. Um, and it's really interesting because Mick is just a hell of an entertaining guy. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I recommend he's a He's a, a massive theme park fan. Uh, he's a massive fan of Christmas. Uh, he's actually got one room in his house dedicated to Christmas. Oh, my gosh. All year round. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, if uh, I think Holy Folly is probably on 
binge because that's where the WWE Network is. So, yeah, go on search for that one if you're a fan of uh, uh, the reality TV shows and wrestlers. Ah, speaking of wrestling, uh, there's a new series that's just dropped on Netflix called Wrestlers. I have yet to see it, but I will. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a seven-episode series which offers the uh, kind of a behind-the-scenes looks at the world of professional wrestling, uh, revealing the hardship and sacrifice that goes into creating this highly complex feat uh, of performance, art and athleticism. And I believe it focuses uh, on El Snow um, trying to uh, keep afloat a wrestling league in Ohio. So I'm going to give that a go. But uh, again, speaking of wrestling, heels. Well, that's, uh, actually, that, the wrestlers, the series, uh, was from 2018, 2019. And uh, it's got a lot of people that are in it uh, now, like in WWE. So you've got um, uh, Swerve Strickland is in uh, AEW. Shotzi Blackheart's in WWE. Uh, Tony Storm is in um, AEW. Keith Lee's in AEW. Uh, Drew Galloway, who's uh, Drew McIntyre, he's in uh, WWE. Mm. Darby Allen's in AEW. So there's... Yeah, lots of well-known wrestlers are actually in that series. So, is that another series or the same series? Um, I, just, uh, I feel like it could be potentially a, a different series. Um, oh, you might be right. Yeah, maybe there's another series called The Wrestlers. Who knows? Yeah. This one's called Wrestlers. I think was oh, that right. one The Wrestlers? This one's The Wrestlers, yeah. Ah, there you go. So this is Wrestlers. So there's lots of wrestler stuff you can go watch. Um, yeah, well, um, I'm kind of just starting to get into Heels, which is a show that you recommended did, uh, a while yes. back on Stan, which uh, is, it's not based on any true story, but it's about two brothers who, uh, yeah, kind of live in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, I think it's it's Jack, Jack and Ace Spade, isn't it? Are the two brothers. Yeah. And uh, their dad was a bit of a a well-known wrestler who had this wrestling league in a place called, I think it's called Duffy in Georgia. Mm. And uh, he unfortunately passes and it's, you know, Jack takes on this, you know, wrestling league to try and keep it alive. And it just follows the lives of people in Duffy uh, and, you know, Jack and Ace as brothers and their relationship and keeping this wrestling league going and the hardships of it, you know, um, bankruptcy and, you know, all the people involved. You've got uh, Crystal, who is a female character who's trying to make her way in wrestling and, you know, get a female league going, which I think is a great insight. Uh, But yeah, it took me a while to get into this, but now that I'm into it, I'm uh, onto the second series. So <laughs> you're, you're further ahead than we are. But it's got um, uh, Stephen Amell as Jack Spade, and people would know him as uh, Oliver Queen from Green Arrow uh, for many, 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 many seasons. Ah. Uh, Alexander Ludwig is Ace Spade. Was he in? Um, I think he might have been in Vikings. Yes, he was. He was in Vikings. Sounds um, like a Viking name, doesn't it? Yeah. Ludwig. And he was also in uh, the Hunger Games. Um, apparently, he was in Bad Boys for Life as well. So, uh, but yeah, so but uh, yeah, it's a great show. Um, if you don't know and don't understand wrestling, it gives you like an an idea of of what it's all about. Yeah. Um, and the thing about wrestling that that I love is that wrestling is people, two people or more people working together to put on a show. So mm-hmm. it's looking like these people are fighting, but they're actually working together so they don't injure each other. Um, and in the past, like, you know, 
prior to like the mid 90s there was a thing called kayfabe and kayfabe was basically uh wrestlers never letting on that it was all uh, a work and it was all like they were all, it was you a know, big secret together. wasn't it yeah it was a massive yeah. secret and so uh kayfabe was was around until like the mid to late 90s and then they realized that you they can't really keep it going and so then they got more open about it and i find wrestling infinitely more interesting now mm-hmm. that they're open about you know what actually happens inside the ring and, and outside the ring yeah so do i because it is that working together to create something that's you know entertaining but there's also an incredible uh amount of yeah athleticism mm. that goes into this stuff that they do and particularly some of the matches that you watch go on for 40 minutes i mean keeping that momentum mm. is insane and then also just yeah the um the whole heel and face side of things the good guy versus the bad guy and the storylines that come along with it i think uh is great and i think you're right it's so much more entertaining knowing that it's you know why hide it yeah uh, but yeah i think it's great and yeah i really like heels i think it's uh you know the, some of it's quite bleak mm. and, and dark but uh i think you know that's you know, a part of this story, and uh, yeah, I really enjoy watching it. So. I think I think wrestlers are just some of the most you know passionate people because mm. it's like I, I did you know stand up comedy when I was younger, yeah, and that's the kind of thing where you've got to be uh, up for traveling a lot and uh, not making a lot of money, late and, nights, you know, sleeping on people's floors, yeah. or sleeping in your car, and doing those kind of things. Uh, wrestling is similar to that, but then you've also got the fact you're getting beaten up every night. Um, so it's the people. The people are so passionate about it, and they'll like you know. Here, here in Perth, we've got people who are you know training to be professional wrestlers, and then they get to a certain level and they move to Canada or move to America, and they they try to make it over there. And like, there's like spots for people in the big. Mm-hmm. Uh, federations WWE AEW but really like you've maybe got like 200 spots over those two federations but there's thousands of wrestlers trying to get there yeah um so but even so they, they're still like they're doing all the independence they're sleeping in their cars they're they're logging the miles and they're just so dedicated to it so yeah that that that's what I kind of admire about it and it's like to, to me I was like, I'd love to do that but it looks really painful yeah <laughs> I think you are. There's a lot of yeah, a lot of work that goes into it, and yeah, I'd imagine being very painful and lots of bruises and just yes. the way they throw themselves against the rope and the floor, and it's like ah. But uh, yeah, I know when I was younger, I wanted to be a stunt woman at one point, and then I was kind of advised that's probably not the best career choice. But uh, you know, I think yeah, being a stunt person is all about learning how to fall yeah. and, and take a hit. So I think yeah, wrestling is kind of like that as well. But. Uh, I don't know. I still think I could have made a great stunt woman. Yeah, you should. You should have, should given have it a pursued crack. it. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Uh, maybe in another lifetime, <laughs> <laughs> we might take an ad uh, break on that. Uh, that note. We'll be back after this. That's all, that's Hi, I'm Susie Lombardi from Remembrance Funerals. Losing a loved one is one of the most distressing things we can go through. That's why we help take all the worry and stress out of creating the best celebration of your loved one's life leaving them with lasting legacies whilst providing an affordable, professional service from start to finish with just $5,800, including a complimentary limousine. Remembrance Funerals, remembering families, remembering life. Call our 24-hour line to inquire on 1300 779 093 or visit remembrancefunerals.com.au. Station Sponsor. 
You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. We are back. We are back, people. Uh, I've seen a few trailers for this new film starring Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, which is releasing October Mm -hmm. the 20th. Uh, The film is called... I'm going to get the title up because I I don't want to mispronounce this. Uh, Oh, it's escaped me. Let me find it. It's based on a true story. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Ah, Killers of the Flower Moon. Have you seen the trailer for this? I have not, no. Um, it's quite an interesting look. I'm going to get some details about the film, which I should have had up before, but it is a drama slash western. It's directed by Martin Scorsese, and interestingly, it is releasing end of October, so you would think we would probably hear a little bit more about this too, and I wonder if we will close to the date or not, but it is an American uh, western crime drama uh, it is based on the 2017 book of the same name and it plot, the plot centres around the uh, a series of Oklahoma murders in the Osage Nation during the 1920s uh, committed after oil was discovered on the tribal land. So, yeah, it's got Leonardo DiCaprio, it's got Robert De Niro in the film as well. You've got Jesse Plemons, uh, Brendan Fraser and John Lithgow are both making... Uh, supporting roles in this as well. So uh, it does mark the sixth feature collaboration between Scorsese and uh, DiCaprio and the 10th between Scorsese and De Niro. Nice. So, yeah, interesting to see. It did, I remember when this was first announced, I think development began back in 2016. So uh, they had to win the rights to the book and uh, eventually in 2017, Scorsese, uh, Scorsese and uh, DiCaprio uh, were attached to the film. Uh, delays, of course, during COVID, uh, but uh, it's finally going to get its release, which uh, I think it's it's great. So, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they tackle this film. Uh, yeah, because it, it does deal with some of the, the native tribe type stuff. Uh, and yeah, it's always a little bit... Um, hard to watch some of that stuff so yeah it is yeah uh, which is interesting so uh yeah basically the premise of the film is members of the Osage I hope I'm saying that right tribe in northeastern Oklahoma are murdered under mysterious circumstances sparking a major investigation uh direct uh in directed by a 29 year old um J Edgar Hoover and former Texas Ranger Tom White. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing this film. No doubt it'll be a long film, uh, <laughs> Scorsese. Uh, but, yeah, looking forward to seeing this film. And there's been a lot of, yeah, talk about how the film will play out mm. and if people are going to like the way it's uh, portrayed or, you know, the natives are portrayed in this film. Uh, so I think that's a big talking point. With this film, yeah, I hope a lot of Marvel directors come out and said, "Yeah, it's a Scorsese. I just, yeah, I like his films. I just don't think it's cinema." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's not for everybody. I mean, I find some. Of no, it's just because he's a, he can be a bit of a, a, a knob about yeah. that those kind of things and yeah. saying that oh yeah, yeah, Marvel films aren't cinema. It's kind of, no, dude, it's in a cinema, it's yeah. cinema. So it's just cinema. get back in your box. Um, yeah, he should be. He should get back in his box. But yeah, <laughs> no, I think it's always how do you tackle the real life events? Mm. You know, without. Um, Offending, you know, a certain you know certain races, you know, yes. in these types of films. So yeah, interested to see. And yeah, for me, it's always a bit of a either 
I like some of his films, but I don't like all of his films. So as long as this is nice and concise and doesn't get too drawn out and it's not five hours long. 90 minutes. 90 minutes. Go for it. There's no way a Scorsese film would be 90 minutes. minutes. Let me see if I can actually find out the length. Um, I have a feeling it's probably going to sit out about three hours. (laughs) Um, Let me see. Uh, Film length. It's supposed to release the 20th uh, of October. Oh. Oh, my goodness. How many hours? Oh, my good guess. Uh, three and a half. Yeah. Oh, my God, really? No. It's three and a half no. hours long. Look, you can do a good three-hour film. Like, you know, Oppenheimer was amazing and that was, you know, three hours long. Uh, but uh, seriously, like, that's just that's a lack of concise storytelling. Three, three hours, fine. Yeah. Three and a half hours? No. No. No, no, no. People's bladders can't last, Martin. You've got to learn to edit your, your, your films better. That is ridiculous. And there's actually this talk about should they bring intermission back into films. And I think not necessarily, but for films like this, <sighs> hell yeah, you need that. Uh, but I'm just trying to recall a film that he's done that wasn't long. Uh, they're all long. Um, I'm thinking Goodfellas, but... Goodfellas film length. I really enjoy Goodfellas, but oh, two and a half hours. That's doable. Yeah. That's doable. But uh, others, no. Uh, and The Irishman, of course, sat at uh, three and a half hours. Yeah, don't, don't be going over three hours. Uh, that's that's that silly. That was too much. And I have not seen the entire film. Mm. I, I just couldn't do it. Uh, have you seen it? The no. Irish? No. I, was gonna, I just couldn't do it. Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street was a long film again, but not that long. So, yeah, I think uh, that's a bit too too long. Well, if somebody's looking for something that's more um, manageable, uh, Star Wars uh, Ahsoka is on Disney Plus now. We're up to episode five. That dropped uh, last night. Um, and it's been amazing. It's been it's been so good because th- this film, uh, sorry, not film, this TV show is based on the Ahsoka character that was introduced in the Clone Wars uh, animated series. It went for seven seasons, ah. and she also appeared in in Rebels. And there are other characters in Rebels who appear in uh, Ahsoka. So Ahsoka is. Um, uh, she was Anakin Skywalker's uh, Padwan back in, during the Clone Wars. And then uh, at the end of, spoilers, at the end of uh, Clone Wars, she decides not to be a Jedi anymore because they kind of screw her over. And then she goes off into her own path. So she still uses the Force. She still uses lightsabers, but she's not a Jedi. Mm. And then she comes back in Rebels. She's you know fighting the Empire and everything like that. And now uh, Ahsoka takes place after Return of the Jedi, uh, where the New Republic is trying to you know rebuild uh, at the same time that uh, some of the remnants of the Galactic Empire are trying to find Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, who they perceive as the heir to the Empire, um, bring him back, and then you know get everything all all dark and broody again um this last episode <coughs> this last episode uh it was if you're if you're a fan of rebels and a fan of clone wars uh this one is the the, the payoff um you get to see a certain character who who comes back and you get to see uh, ahsoka and this person interact on in real mm. life, not not anime life, but real life, um, and it's it's very very cool. Um, and uh, it's just it was just yeah, it was fantastic, and I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how the rest of this this series plays out. It's just everything I could have hoped for and more. Oh, 
Yeah. Do you know what I'm really looking forward to is the uh, new Napoleon, well, the, the Napoleon film uh, starring Wykin Phoenix uh, and Vanessa Kirby. It is obviously based on the true story of Napoleon uh, Bonaparte uh, and depicts the French leader's rise to power as well as his relationship with Empress Josephine. But uh, I've seen the trailer a couple of times and it looks really good. Uh, it's a Ridley Scott film, uh, well, directed by Ridley Scott and written by David uh, Scarpa. But, uh, yeah, interested to... I've not seen a film really about Napoleon mm. Bonaparte, so I, I know there have been films out there. Um, but, yeah, this is set to release on November 22nd, so hopefully we'll get a cinema release before it hits streaming as well because I think it's one that you'd like to see on the big screen. I think there's a lot of war depiction and stuff going mm. on there as well. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. So there you have it. Talking about what's coming up. We'll do the film promotion from now on, people, considering yeah. nobody else can do it. Apparently Scorsese's playing a Jesus movie. I wonder how long that'll be. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, could, I think his films get, like, a couple of minutes longer mm-hmm. each time. He just adds on a few minutes. I think there's a... There's a point that people can handle, and that's just too much. So yeah, uh, yeah, we really need to uh, need to keep them short. Anyway, we will get out of here, and uh, we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture. <laughs>